We're walking through the Gospel of John. In the, in the New Testament here, John captures the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, with the intention of showing us that Jesus is God in the flesh. His light in our darkness, changing not just the world in the course of history, but changing our lives, your life. He's light in your darkness. And we've been walking through the book of John here and seeing how, how John, he, he, he gives laser focus. He's very intentional to make it clear for us without, without any, any lack of evidence who Jesus is. And through, the, through his gospel, he shows different miracles of what Jesus has done to show that, that he, he is power over all things in this earth. He's God. In addition, for those who, who would have been uh, Jews listening and reading his, his account, that they would see in the book of John that Jesus is the fulfillment of everything in the Old Testament portion of scriptures. He's the fulfillment of all the things of the nation of Israel who God chose to reveal himself to the world. Jesus is God. The issue that John brings up, and as we come to today in our passage, is what do we do with all the evidence? What, what are we doing? What are you doing with all the evidence about Jesus? What's your response? The issue isn't really that we need more evidence. It's not an intellectual issue of... I need more evidence. There are very few people where that's truly the case. The issue when it comes to Jesus, with all the evidence that we have, is that it's a matter of the heart. What is your response to Jesus? The characters that we see, the the people in the account today that we're going to read, are going to... To, to show us different responses to Jesus. And we want to look and consider, are we, who are we like in relationship to Jesus and the people in the passage today? Are you going to bow or do you bow before Jesus with reckless abandon like Mary? Or are you threatened by Jesus that he might take something from you? Like the religious leaders. Or are you disappointed in Jesus because he's not exactly who you thought he would be? And it's not everything you thought it would be to follow him, like Judas. If you haven't done so, go ahead and turn there. John 11, verse 45. What is your response to Jesus? Jesus has just raised a man from the dead. His name was Lazarus. Verse 45 here begins the response. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we going to do? For this man performs many signs. 
If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So, from that day on, they made plans to put Jesus to death. Jesus therefore no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim, and there he stayed with the disciples. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and saying to one another as they stood in the temple, what do you think? That he will not come to the feast at all? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should let them know so that they might arrest him. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner there for him. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, he was the one about to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but you do not always have me. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Join me in prayer, friends, as we we read God's, as we prepare for God's word here. Lord, we come to you at this point as we do regularly. Because we need you, Spirit, to open our hearts to receive your word. Lord, we don't want to just go through the motions. Lord, we don't want to just be be inspired or intellectually moved in some way, Lord God. We want to be changed. Jesus, we see in your word here, Mary's dramatic response to you, Lord. And, 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 and there's something that, that you're trying to draw us to that. We want to respond to you, Jesus. 
like Mary, not like Judas, not like the Pharisees, but we need you, Spirit, to work in our hearts that this may be the case. Spirit, I realize that we are on holy ground. Help us come with expectation. Help us come with hunger. Help me, Jesus, be a steward of your word and overcome, Lord, me, this broken, sinful vessel, Lord Jesus. This word is too important. In your name we pray. Amen. So we come to this passage. The man Lazarus has just been raised from the dead. As I mentioned previously, Jesus has done many things uh, before this point. This is the climax of Jesus' ministry and his miracles. Showing his power, his authority over death itself. Previously, he's turned water into wine. He's powerful over chemical structures. He can change the elements of, the, of this world. He, he's healed a paralytic. He's healed a man born blind. Something that's never happened before among the Jewish people there. Among anyone. He's walked on water. Now we the readers have a unique experience coming to this point. We've seen all this unfold. John is intentionally taking us on a journey as he's recalling the journey of Jesus among the people. We of all people, the readers of the gospel, are brought to a unique place of how how are we going to respond? We have all of this evidence about Jesus. And we're drawn in here as they respond, the, the people at that time respond to the miracle of Lazarus. And we see verse 45. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary, believed. Now, John doesn't spend much time here, but they saw the evidence. They didn't need any, anything more than this obvious evidence. He just raised somebody from the dead. That just doesn't happen. There must be more. He must be God. But the strong contrast here, the, the, the thing that kind of is jolting for us as we read this, but some who were there, they went off to this other group called the Pharisees. These are religious leaders of the time. And they go to the chief priests and they share with them what has happened. And you would think, Okay, they have been anticipating, they've been looking for this this person called the Messiah. This word means the anointed one, the king, the one who would come to, to set Israel free from Roman oppression. They could be a nation again. They could be God's people. They could, they could shine that light through power and, and independence and authority. Jesus could be that Messiah. But how do they respond Verse 47, the evidence is brought to them. Jesus just raised this man from the dead. And they start griping and complaining here. What are we going to do? This man is performing signs and miracles. They don't deny. There's no denying what happened here. They know what he's done. 
It's clear. They're miracles. But instead of, of saying, let's go, let's rally, he must be the Messiah. They're threatened. They're threatened by him. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. You see, to, 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 to these religious leaders, Jesus is an idle threat. The word idol in, in, in the scripture speaks of a god now, uh, that, 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 that people would worship. Now, these idols were oftentimes these things that would rec- be created by hands and they might be uh, 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 you know, some kind of creature or they might be representative of elements in the, in, in the world, things that are created like the sun or or gods of fertility, or gods of power and war. And, and they would worship these things. This is, that is an idol. But, but the scripture speaks that the idols are, are, are more than just these physical images, these other gods in this world. They're, they're things that are in our hearts that we desire more than God, that we look to to give us security, to meet the needs in our life, These things we look to and trust in more than we do God. What what, what do we see here is they're afraid of losing. We might lose both our place and our nation. Israel was occupied. The Roman Empire was in control. Not just... A hundred years earlier, there was a revolt by other Jews who sought to to get liberation called the Maccabean Revolt. You can look it up. And while initially there was advances made by the Jews, eventually they were crushed. The Jews were absolutely crushed. They they, They didn't want that to happen again. They were more concerned about what they say here, their place and their nation. Their place means that the the position, the privileged position, this group of leadership had been given by the Roman leaders. They liked the power. They liked the influence that they had. They liked the privileges that came from it, that the Romans gave them as religious leaders. They, they were more about their, concerned about their, losing their privileges than they were about whether they would be saved. They were more concerned about the nation being crushed than from being saved from their sin. You see, they couldn't conceive the real reason why Jesus would come. And so Caiaphas here, the high priest at this time, he has this profound, profound prophecy that he speaks that that is greater than he speaks beyond what he even intends or understands. And he, and he, he lays out their strategy of, of how to approach Jesus. Well, he's a threat to our nation. You see, if people keep believing in him, the Romans are going to come in and they're going to see us as a threat. They're going to crush us as a nation. We're going to lose our, our, our position. We're going to lose our freedoms. So, logically... If he dies, it's better that he dies than we lose all our privileges and our national status that we've gained so far. 
It just makes sense. It's better that he should die as a substitute in our place. Now his focus is ironically on preserving the Jewish nation. The interesting thing that happens that it, 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 Jesus points out, when we seek to like, hold on and preserve and save the things in this life that, that, we believe, that we're putting our trust in, that, that, that we're trying to find our emotional security in or, or, or to find our, our, our identity in, in this life, when we try to preserve these things, they crumble or they corrupt us. Caiaphas was right. Jesus did and should die in replacement. But it wasn't so that a nation would be preserved. Because ironically, 30 years later, 70 AD, Rome would descend upon the nation of Israel and Jerusalem and it would be reduced to ash and rubble. Like Mariupol, Ukraine is being laid siege to right now. In even a worse way, there was, Jerusalem was utterly destroyed. In seeking to preserve themselves as a nation, ironically, they lost their nation and the Jews were scattered even more. You see, Jesus didn't come to save them from the oppression of Roman rule. Jesus came to save us from the oppression and tyranny of our sin. Our sin is the greatest problem. Our sin is what corrupts us all. And when we seek to preserve the things in this life that are temporary, they're going to crumble in our hands or they'll corrupt our soul. You see, their response to Jesus was that you're going to take away these things that they seem so important to us right now. And there are things in your and I's lives that we hold on to thinking, I need this. I can't get by without it. It makes, gives me security. It gives me strength and identity. Financially, emotionally, relationally. It's our jobs, our children, our finances. Our pride, our sense of control. All of these different idols of the heart. And Jesus, Jesus is a threat to those things. He says this, Jesus explains, if we're going to come to him, there's this paradoxical truth in our lives that whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it. For eternal life. Jesus is, is unpacking this, this paradoxical truth that when we open our hands to God and, and release everything that we would try to find security in in this life and trust in in this life and identity in in this life, when we release that to the Father, He gives us everything we need and we don't lose anything. When we try to hold on to it, We're, we'll, we'll, we'll lose it. And we'll lose our very selves. Because you can't love Jesus and love the things of this world. 
So they decide Jesus must die. It's better. Jesus must die in our, as the replacement. And so they set out and plot in order to, to kill him. And, and in the remaining verses in chapter 11 there speak of how Jesus, uh, aware of this plan, uh, uh, it wasn't his time. And so, you know, he didn't make his way uh, as publicly as he did for a while there as it was coming to, to the time of Passover, which I'll explain in, in coming sermons here. But people were on the lookout. They had their spies out. They're going to kill Jesus. And of course, this was all part of God's plan. God uses the evil intentions of others to accomplish his purposes. And in chapter 12 here, then we see a different response to Jesus. In chapter 12 here, we see, we see Mary. So Mary being the sister of Lazarus and Jesus coming back to visit Lazarus after he's raised him from the dead. And you can imagine how excited they are and, 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 and how, how, how just passionate and 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 in love with jesus they are because of what he's done he's raised the lazarus from the dead and there's a big party put together and we see at lazarus at the table and martha is serving them like martha does and and but mary there's something here that that is dramatic And John wants us to hone in and draw our attention here to Mary because there's something in Mary's example here. He wants us to see and and he wants us to follow. Mary takes out this this ointment, this this perfume, and he says it's a pound of this stuff. This would be the equivalent of like 11 ounces. A pound in Roman uh, 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 measurements was about 11, equivalent of 11 ounces of our stuff. Uh, today and this was an incredibly expensive ointment and perfume this was stuff from from nepal in fact and, and, and this this ointment this perfume was extracted from this kind of leaf and it was this ex- extensive process that, that was involved to just get a little bit of this this perfume this was a really really expensive stuff as as we'll see judas explain here a year's wages worth you think about that the equivalent today of a year's wages. It's unreal that perfume would cost that much. But we spend it on that kind of stink pretty, don't we? Yeah, we spend lots of money to smell good. But what's dramatic here? She, she, the amount that she uses, the cost of this that she uses, she's anointing Jesus' feet, but, but it's the way of what happens here. And when she comes out and brings out this perfume and begins to pour it on Jesus' feet as they're reclining, everyone would have been shocked. This is not a normal kind of interaction with any human being of what Mary's doing. When she gets down on her knees and she takes her hair, and you're going to have to imagine because I don't have any, so God bless you. And so she takes her hair and she is on the ground. Now, now for ladies to undo her their hair and to let their hair down was a significant thing. This was only done by prostitutes. Okay, this was not be publicly done. Ladies don't let their hair down publicly. Okay? It was a sign of a loose being a loose lady. She's at Jesus' feet. To to wash someone's feet, that was humiliating for anyone of 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 normal status this was only the task that a slave would do this wasn't something mary would normally do 
This was part of the servants of the home. They would come in. They would clean people's feet after they had come in from their long journey. She's on her knees, on the floor, with her hair down before these people. And you can imagine even Lazarus, who'd just been raised from the dead, going, what's going on here? And there's gasps. And you know how it is when, when there's some like questionable things going on and, and people start whispering to each other, can you believe what she's doing? Like, doesn't, doesn't she, don't she realize like people are watching? Mary doesn't care. Because she realizes at the feet of my Savior is at the height of my existence. There's no shame when I'm in the glory. I know who Jesus is. I know who my Jesus is. And and whatever is my shame is my gain in the presence of Jesus. You see, I, I can't lose anything in this life when I give my life to Jesus. She goes all in. She doesn't hold anything back. Forget what people think about me. I'm at the feet of Jesus. My Savior. God himself who's come to me and he loves me. And he knows everything about me. My Savior. I can't help but give him everything. I can't hold back. And we're uncomfortable. We're all like those, those onlookers who are, who are just like, that's a little bit much, Mary. Can you just kind of pull it together? It's a little dramatic, maybe a little Pentecostal for us. I mean, it's enough for us Scandinavians to clap, right? Well, watch out. I'm stepping in it about to get uncomfortable friends Mary becomes this example for us that John seeks to draw out and above all she she's a woman it wasn't for women to be the heroes. It wasn't for women to be the leaders. It wasn't for women to be the ones we look to as the example. But she, Mary, becomes the highlight, the star, the example for us to follow. Where these other men fail and fall short and they give into their flesh. Judas here in his response He looks on her indignantly with this false sense of righteousness. This this is a year's wages. It could be sold and be given to the poor. That sounds really good, right? But John, John just doesn't leave us there because we can all have that false sense of righteousness about us in order to hold it together and maintain our control in order that we we don't actually surrender to Jesus. Judas's hand is, is exposed to us by John and showing us that he's actually a thief. He, he was the, the treasurer of the, the committee, of the little, the, the minstrel band of, of uh, the mantourage that follows Jesus, the 12 disciples. And he would, uh, he would help himself because people would give money in order for the group to be able to help the poor as they would go throughout the ministry of Jesus. And he would 
he would take a little bit for himself. What, what John begins to expose here about Judas, Judas was an opportunist. Judas followed Jesus as long as, long as G- Jesus was rising to power. As long as it was good for Judas. It says here, Judas saw Jesus as a means to an end. Judas ultimately trusted himself and lived for himself. Judas looked to what Jesus could give him, not that Jesus is God and deserves my worship and my devotion. Isn't that us? Many of us? Our trust in Jesus is dependent on what he's doing for us, not on the fact that he's worthy of my worship, not on the fact that he's God. Let me bow. Let me surrender. Jesus changed my life. Jesus changed my circumstances. Jesus make, make me feel better. Jesus provide for me in this way. We just, we still want to be in control. We want it to be our way. And Jesus sees here that, that, that Jesus' little mission here is not going to result in him getting to power. He's actually going to be going to death. He looks to be on the, the winning side and sells Jesus out for more money and betrays him. At the end of this passage, we see That they even sought to kill Lazarus because he was evidence of Jesus' divinity. In their sin, the leaders there sought to remove the evidence so people wouldn't follow him. So I'm going to bring this full circle here now for you for us to examine our hearts. We're oftentimes tempted in this passage to look at the Pharisees. And distance ourselves from them and, 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 and be angry at them. And, and how could they not know? And, 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 and how could they be so proud and, and reject Jesus? And we're tempted to look at Judas and, and, and be like, how could he be so self-centered? How could he be so arrogant? Trusting in himself. And not, he was with Jesus for three years. How could he not know? And want to surrender. We're tempted to look at them and distance ourselves and say we're not like them. But friends, we are. All of us. I am. We're all like these Pharisees, religious leaders. We all, Jesus is a threat to us. There's things in our lives we don't want to let go of. We're like Judas. We trust ourselves. We don't trust Jesus to provide. We don't trust God's way. We think we know better. And God needs to fit in our box. And As long as things are going good, glory to Jesus. But once, they're, once things go south and it's dark and there's loss and it's trauma, like, where are you, God? You're not here. Our sin, while they plotted against Jesus, we would all be like Judas and these leaders seeking to put Jesus to death. 
In the song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, there's this line that it was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. Friends, all of us would put Jesus to death and nail him to the cross. All of us. None of us are so virtuous and so good in ourselves that we would have seen differently. We would have done different. We would have trust. No, all of us. The sin in our hearts. And until, unless we come to grips with the depth and depravity of our hearts, we will never understand the greatness of the grace of God that he died for us. It was my sin that held him there. We're all like these Pharisees and like Judas. And once we remember, once we we see that and let that seep into our thick heads and our hearts, then we can understand Mary's response and respond to Jesus with abandon. question before us today is how can we then be like mary how can we come to jesus with reckless abandon like mary there's a couple quotes here i want to to set the stage from francis chan in his book crazy love that really gets at the heart here I'm just going to move pretty quickly through some of these, so bear with me. So our greatest fear should not be of failure of succeeding. Excuse me. Our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Are you confusing? We confuse what's really important and what we really need in this life. This is these idols. The next quote here, just to continue, I want you to just continue to self-examine. This is just an opportunity to look at your own heart and your look at your life. Here, go to the next slide, please. The irony is that while God doesn't need us, but still wants us, we desperately need God, but don't really want him most of the time. Is that hidden home? He treasures us and anticipates our departure from this earth to be with him. And we wonder indifferently how much... We have to do for him to get by. We start counting the cost. Like how much? Like, uh, I'm going to hold back here a little bit. Go to the next slide. It's crazy. If you think about it, the God of the universe, the creator of nitrogen, pine needles, galaxies, and E minor, (laughs) loves us with a radical self-sacrificing love. And what is our typical response? We go to church, sing songs, and try not to cuss. Consider what does devotion look like? What is, what is abandonment to the God who's given himself to you? He's given everything of himself to you. And what do we typically respond? We're kind of holding things. We're that stingy like Judas. Like, oh, you should, you know, hold a little back for myself. Mary goes all in. Mary trusts. I know he is good. Whatever happens, he has my good at heart and he has secured it in him. 
though darkness may come in this life, I know him. I'm casting everything on. I don't have to withhold back from him because he might fail me. No, no, he's good. I trust him. I surrender. I'm going to give up my authority to myself. I'm going to give up trying to lead myself. I, you have control, Jesus, not me. You deserve it. You deserve it. I give my, my devotion to my kids' athletics or, or, their, or their academics or, or their, their activities. or I, I give my devotion to my job and, or, or these other things that, that, I, that I'm looking to get some, a kickback from in my life and, and to give me something. But, but, but you, God, you are God. You deserve my devotion. You become the one thing. And I'm not going to hold anything back. It doesn't matter what people think of me anymore. I'm not holding back. Consider these next quotes here. But God doesn't call us to be comfortable. He calls us to trust him so completely that we are unafraid to put ourselves in situations where we will be in in trouble if he doesn't come through. As we talked about earlier, whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it. This is a theme across all the gospels. Go to the next slide there. For whoever, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? It's worth it to give it all, to surrender it all. You see, Jesus, think about it on the cross and what he did for you. He didn't hold back from going to the cross from you and be like, you know, it's going to be messy. And I'm going to look bad up there. I mean, what will people say? What will people say while I'm hanging up there on the cross? And like, I'm bleeding. It's pretty uncomfortable. You know, like people die on the cross. Like, I just don't know. Like, there's a little bit of suffering. Maybe I'll go through a little bit of a whipping. But to publicly be shamed like that, I don't know if they're worth it. Think about what he has given for us. The shame that he went through for us. And this isn't to guilt us in response. This is to set us free. Mary wasn't guilted into coming to Jesus. She was liberated at the feet of Jesus. What are you holding back? What are you holding back? Are you afraid of what other people will think? Are you afraid of becoming that, that Jesus freak, that Bible thumper? Are you, what, are you, what are you afraid of losing? What are you holding on to? What's happening inside you right now as you receive this message and you're considering, what does this mean for me? Don't look at what, what you might lose or, or what the cost might be. Look to Jesus. That's all that matters. Everything else will fade away. Don't start counting the cost. That's where Satan wants you to have your eyes. Look to Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. What did he do in your place? Who is he in all his glory? Look to Jesus. He's worthy. Amen. 
That's what I, I love it. In the mouth, out of the mouths of our babes. I want to I invite you to consider. There's, there's a next step. The Spirit's speaking to you and putting on your heart. There might be something to let go of in your life that needs to change. Like, let it go. Keep your eyes on Christ. There might be some things in there he's touching on. There might be something he's calling you to obey. Don't question it. When you start questioning, that's when Satan gets in your head and, and starts manipulating you. And Obey. Keep your eyes on. Obey. Whatever it is, abandonment. Reckless abandonment. The Spirit is working and stirring right now to liberate There's a prayer I want to guide us through. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on forward here. I'm going to read through this prayer. And then we're going to pray it together, okay? You can go to the next slide and the next slide. There we go. Forgive me for trusting in myself. I want to trust you and rely on you. Forgive me for living for myself. I surrender. I want to live for you. I want to be led by you. Forgive me for being devoted to anything or everything but you. Lord, I want you to be the most important thing to me. Forgive me for holding back. Forgive me for fearing what others think. I want to be all in. Lord, I want to sacrifice everything just just to have you. Help me love you today with reckless abandon. Let's pray this together. Can you go back to the beginning? Together here. Lord, forgive me for trusting in myself. I want to trust you and rely on you. Forgive me for living for myself. I surrender. I want to live for you. I want to be led by you. Forgive me for being devoted to anything or everything but you. Lord, I want you to be the most important thing to me. Forgive me for holding back. Forgive me for fearing what others think. I want to be all in. Lord, I want to sacrifice everything just to have you. Help me love you today with reckless abandon. Spirit, move in our hearts. Lord, keep our eyes fixed on you and how good you are. Lord, your sacrifice for us. Jesus, I pray your protection over this room now. And for those brothers and sisters online, Lord, with us, we pray, Spirit, for your deep moving, Lord, that we would recklessly abandon now. Lord, not thinking about ourselves, not thinking about the cost. Lord, but thinking about you and what you, what it costs you, Jesus. You are worthy, Lord God. We come, let us be like Mary. Lord, let us bow before you. Let us be liberated at the feet of Jesus. Amen.